You give Teller from Jerusalem 20 minutes, and he'll give you the education of a lifetime. King of the storytellers and the Shakespeare of the Torah world, here is Rabbi Hanok Teller. Hello out there in podcast land. Welcome to Teller from Jerusalem, and I'm your host, Hanok Teller. Today, in our quest to improve our character and progress from civility to nobility, we shall be addressing anger. I'm as mad as hell! I'm not going to take this anymore! Uncontrolled anger is one of the most destructive of all emotions. We've all said or done things when we were angry, and afterwards we realized how wrong we were. Now why is it that what we say when we are angry can cause such hurt and alienation? And the answer is, unfortunately, people generally assume that what others say when they are upset reflects what they truly feel. But all such words generally reveal is what the person feels at that particular moment. When we are angry, we often feel and think unfairly. Few of us would want our parents, our spouses, our children, our friends, our co-workers to know every angry thought we have about them, and thank God our heads are not made out of lucite. That's why most of us choose to keep our thoughts to ourselves. But once we release these often distorted thoughts into the world, others tend to assume that what they represent is actually our true feelings. They don't represent what we think and what we believe. They only represent what we thought at that moment of our anger. Once we say something, we cannot retract it. If we keep our mouth shut, then we don't have that problem. Rabbi Joseph Tolushkin once addressed, and by the way, today's episode is very largely based on his masterwork, A Code of Jewish Ethics, Volume 1, that a person at work wanted to send something humorous to his co-worker about someone else's spouse, and instead of sending it to his friend, he ended up sending it to his entire list. Once it was out, it could not be retrieved. A contemporary example of untamed anger is road rage. When a driver becomes so inflamed and infuriated another driver, for example, they was tailgated or he was cut, he tries to take revenge. And I looked up some of the statistics. Aggressive driving is a factor in 54% of all fatalities in motor vehicle crashes. In a seven-year period, we're talking about very contemporaneously, road rage incidents caused 218 murders and 12,610 injuries. That's about 30 deaths and 1,800 injuries per year caused by road rage. Over 30,000 people a year are maimed for life because of road rage. My students have explained to me that if someone cuts you on the highway, you'll cut nine other people to cut them back. That's intelligent at 90 miles per hour. Now, the person who cut you may not be a righteous, pious saint, but they are not your enemy. And we get so infuriated. I don't know why this is, but driving brings out the worst character in people. And the irony is, is that you get so enraged and inflamed, and then later on, you'll never even remember who it was, what they looked like. It was totally insignificant, inconsequential. But at that moment in rage, you do something which is so foolish and moronic and extraordinarily dangerous. Even anger, which is expressed solely through words, can destroy relationships, most commonly marriages and friendships. Many people who would never strike someone 
exercise very little restraint over their tongues. When we are angry, even if we are intelligent and otherwise kind people, we are apt to lose control of our tongues and say unfair and unjust things. A real problem is regarding teachers. As it says in the Ethics of the Fathers, a hot-tempered person cannot teach. And there are several reasons for this. Bad temper in a teacher makes students reluctant to ask questions, for they're afraid of evoking the teacher's wrath. And consequently, they may not fully understand what they're being taught. In addition, throughout history, short-tempered teachers have humiliated their students. And this is particularly despicable when directed, as often it has been, against people with learning disabilities. If our wisdom deserts us when we are enraged, we have to learn to hold on to our tongues, particularly when we're especially angry. Hot emotions don't look good when we begin to shout and have a meltdown over hot type. We can write something which is a spur of anger. When it's looked at later, it looks totally moronic and imbecilic. I heard a story of a businessman who confided that his anger stopped employees from telling him bad news and his business suffered in consequence. They were afraid every time they would tell him something which wasn't working out well, he would burst into a rage. So they kept the bad news away from him. And ultimately, his anger at his workers for not doing their job properly caused him even a greater loss. Probably the greatest common reason for children to lie to their parents is that they're afraid of what might happen if they tell the truth. Anger makes us unproductive. Sometimes I get a little angry When I can't find my favorite toy Sometimes I get a little angry When I can't find my favorite toy When you become furious at someone, your rage dominates your thinking. It becomes difficult to focus on your work and on your love for others. Some people wake up in the middle of the night and cannot fall back to sleep because they are so enraged. Others waste a good part of their day in fantasy man monologues with the subject of the wrath. Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky of Blessed Memory wrote in several of his books an ingenious idea which he heard one of the addicts that he was treating who told him, when you bear a grudge and you're furious, what you're doing is you're giving your enemy your best real estate at no charge. You're letting them obsess your head, you're giving away your best real estate, and you're not even charging rent. If a person chooses to marry a temperamental individual, this is an environment in which you will spend the rest of your life and in which your children will be raised. There's a woman who is dating a man who in a fit of fury punched the wall so hard he broke several fingers. On other occasions as well, he showed totally inappropriate explosions of rage. The woman ignored these obvious signs and married him. Later on, yeah, 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 he became furious with her, and in lieu of a wall, he punched her face. And by the way, this is not just restricted to that story. Uh, there's a story about a baseball pitcher. Actually, there's two stories. We're very fair to New York. There's a story about a Yankee pitcher and also about a Met pitcher. Uh, the Yankee was Kevin Brown. Uh, this was in the 2004 baseball season. He became enraged at an umpire's call, calling a ball when he felt it should be a strike. And he put his hand into the wall, breaking two fingers. 
Now, all pitchers know that you have to be very careful to guard your pitching hand. So he was careful enough not to hit the wall with his pitching hand. But since he broke two fingers, he wasn't able to, to field and couldn't get back on the mound for the rest of the season. I'm as mad as hell. I'm not going to take this anymore. I have found that children who grow up in homes where they're shouting are likely to become screamers. Children who grow up in homes where people are patient are not going to say mean things just because their feelings are a little bit upset. <laughs> Everyone knows that uh, if you ever saw a relative on, in a play, you just cringe because it's so embarrassing when someone that you're so close to is up on the stage. And you have the same thing at a PTA meeting. At a PTA meeting, the teacher tells you that your child came, comes to class on time and that she does her homework, but you're waiting that the boom is about to be dropped and then she finally gets to it that her math work is not satisfactory. And you cringe because it's not just you feel bad about your daughter not doing her work, but you also know it's a reflection on yourself. When I went to Russia many years ago, because I am an educator, I asked, what is a PTA meeting like? And they told me that they make all the parents sit in their students' chairs and at their desks. And then the teacher points in front of all the other parents. You, terrible. You, horrible. You, disruptive. You, very bad. Uh, what, what a great way to uh, conduct a meeting. When one of my sons was in kindergarten, the kindergarten teacher said, we should never yell, we should never scream, never raise our voice. And my son said, my father yells. And the kindergarten teacher said, no, he doesn't yell. Oh, yes, he does, my son said. He said, no, he doesn't. He does, he does, he does. No, he doesn't. He says, yes, every night and at night, he calls out, everyone go out to prayers. And I'm trying to get the boys out in the evening. And uh, But until I heard the end of the story, I was really <laughs> uh, cringing from embarrassment from this teacher. We have to realize that anyone whose temper is out of control is capable of terrible things. We need look no further than the Bible itself. Sometime after Adam and Eve were banned from the Garden of Eden, they had two boys named Cain and Abel. When the brothers grew up, Cain became a farmer and Abel became a shepherd. One day Cain offered some of his best crops to God, while Abel sacrificed some of his best sheep. God accepted Abel's offering, but he didn't accept Cain's. This upset Cain. He became very jealous of Abel. So the Lord told Cain, Why are you angry? Why are you sad? If you do what is right, I will accept you. If you don't do what is right, your sin will control your decisions and destroy you. Cain didn't like God's warning. He decided to take out his anger on Abel instead of doing what was right. When we're dealing with someone who has a who's furious over a hurt, a hurt that they've suffered, we should excuse we should exercise common sense, tact, and restraint. A comment such as, you really don't mean that, might well reinforce the rage, it's like adding gasoline to a fire. Instead, we should agree with what we can and gradually try and calm down the person, if not in the first day, the second day, the third day, or the next week. When we're dealing with an enraged person, particularly someone angry with us, we should act as calmly as we can. As it says in Proverbs, a gentle response pacifies wrath. It's hard for someone to continue to shout if we respond gently in an unruffled way. But if we respond to shouting and accusations with more shouting, 
and more accusations, the conflict is much more likely to escalate. If someone has reasons to be upset with us, we should acknowledge the fact that we've done wrong, we made an error, and beg mercy and ask for forgiveness. Because people are prone to get angry if they are suspicious, we have to learn to diffuse potential anger. comments. When you think that you, what you say will be irritating to the person you are talking to, you can diffuse his potential anger by mentioning right away at the very start that you hope what you say will not get him or her angry. For most people think of themselves as fair and generous. If we acknowledge their right to be upset, but we appeal to them to restrain their anger, they are more likely to be disarmed. However, if we challenge or even deny the other person's right to be upset, we're probably going to trigger an angry reaction. And Joseph Telushkin quotes from Aristotle. I conf confess I've not read much of Aristotle. Aristotle wrote, a person is praised who is angry for the right reasons, with the right people, in the right way, at the right time, and for the right length of time. So let's analyze the statement and figure out what are the right times the right reasons, the right people, and we begin. For the right reasons, we should never become angry over petty matters. We didn't come down to this world to get so bent out of shape over something which is so insignificant that later on we would laugh over such a petty little thing. And also, we should only get angry with the right person. For example, if we're angry at our boss, we should not come home and take it out on our spouse or our children. And we should, if we have to get angry, in the right way. If we're justifiably angry, we still are required to act fairly. And as we said already in other episodes, the words to always avoid are always and never. Because once you say always or never, and you always do this, and you dredge up everything, keep your critique spe specific to one incident. That's fair and that's legitimate. And we have to do it in the right time and for the right length of time. In other words, it's best and most preferable if we, can, if we don't react immediately. And we have to learn to let go of our anger once we've expressed it. There are families that I'm aware of that have borne a grudge and people start speaking to each other and there's a wedge which is inserted and it can last for years, even to the grave. If you think someone has done something which is wrong and they've offended you, what you should do is approach the person and I can think of three possibilities that could emerge from this. 
Firstly, if you go and explain to them why you're upset at them, they will explain themselves and maybe you'll realize that you've made an error and you did not judge them favorably. Alternatively, by telling them why they've hurt you, they may confess that they did something wrong and they were unaware, and you'll be able to correct them and rectify what they've done wrong. The last possibility is it will not have any effect, but two out of three is pretty good. It's nearly 70% chance of success. Now, probably the person who would generate the most rage from us is a mugger. We're walking alone in the street, out of nowhere comes someone with a weapon, and even though we're terribly upset and angry and furious, we'll be polite and courteous and try and get this incident over. I heard a story of an actress who was on a date with her boyfriend and a mugger came with a pistol and she said, what are you gonna do, shoot us? And indeed he did. Uh, someone gave an analogy that you're stopped at a red light and a car comes from behind and bumps into you and that's very infuriating. The car pulls back then bumps again, and you're going, you're so raging mad. They pull back again, they bump into you, and you get out of your car. You are furious. Then the driver of the car that hit you gets out. He's six foot five, tattoos all over the place, and you say to him, hey, nice to meet you, which goes to prove that we can control our rage. The other proof is uh, someone is having a teenage meltdown and they're furious and screaming and shouting at their younger brother. And then there's a knock on the door and they say, hello. And then when they close the door, you go all over again. Or you're in the middle of a fit and someone calls you, hello. This all goes to prove that you can control. If I were to offer you $1 million, if for half a year you would not raise your temper, would you be able to do this? Of course, it's a great incentive. And if that's the case, that means we can control ourselves. And what's sad is that in the absence of such financial incentive, many of us destroy relationships with our closest family members, relationships that are worth far, far more than a million dollars. So the first thing we have to do is realize that we can restrain ourselves and acknowledge that we are in control of our temper and not to be controlled by it. We have to be in, in the driver's seat and not let anger be in the driver's seat. And thank you, listeners. Please subscribe and give a five-star rating, as this surely helps us. Tell your family and friends about our podcast, and they will thank you. Thanks for listening to Teller from Jerusalem, where this series takes an intelligent and thought-provoking look at the past in order to acquire a perspective on the present. Spread knowledge by giving us a five-star review, and tell your friends to subscribe. Join us next time for a brand new episode and be sure to visit TellerFromJerusalem.com where you can find more details about the show and other useful information. Check out the site store and just by inserting the TFJ code, you receive an additional 10% discount off the already very reduced prices of all Hanoch Teller products, books, lectures, and documentaries. And remember, don't forget, you can get Teller from Jerusalem on any podcast platform or go to TellerFromJerusalem.com.